Hello, and welcome to this episode of Fathom in Conversation, a new economics podcast. This is brought to you by Fathom Consulting, an independent research consultancy specializing in macroeconomics, geopolitics, and financial markets. In this series, titled The Rise of China, we explore the emergence of China, its extraordinary economic boom, and the impact that's had on the rest of the world. Each episode features an in-depth discussion with Fathom's team of economists, who use their knowledge and expertise to provide insights into the Chinese economy. Episode 3, The Day That Changed the World. Hello and welcome. I'm joined today by two of Fathom's China specialists, Kevin Lone. Hey, Andrew. And Flo Vaya. Hi, Andrew. China joined the World Trade Organization in 2001 in what some have subsequently called the day that changed the world. However, as discussed in the last episode, it was actually Deng Xiaoping's move towards an export and investment-led growth model in the 1980s that really changed the country's fortunes. That's not to say that the admission to the WTO wasn't a significant milestone, but it really served as a symptom rather than a cause of China's emergence. In this episode, we'll discuss the impact that China's rise has had on the rest of the world, but arguably the greatest impact was felt domestically when millions of people were lifted up from below the poverty line. But Flo, one of the greatest shames is that not all the gains from globalization were shared evenly in China. Yeah, that is true. Um, we actually wrote a newsletter about that called China Needs Fiscal Reform to Rebalance, in which we found that China still has very high levels of inequality compared to both its own past and with its peers. And usually governments would step in and redistribute income and wealth across the society via taxes or benefits. Um, but China's government has made very little attempt or at least has had very little success in, in doing that. And you can see that when looking at the difference between the gross and the net Gini coefficient. The Gini coefficient measures inequality across an economy and uh, the gross measure is based um, before taxes where the net measure is calculated after taxes and transfers. And in China's case, there's high inequality, like the Gini coefficient is very high, but also the gross and the net measure are essentially identical and have been identical since the 1960s. So that tells you that China's government hasn't stepped in and redistributed income. And this is in stark contrast to the US, where gross inequality is as high as it is in China, but the net inequality measure is a lot lower. So that tells you that the US government actually did or has been stepping in and redistributing income. It's kind of ironic that uh, a communist country is actually doing a poorer job of redistributing income than one of the most capitalist countries, the US. But moving on from the impacts on China, so Kevin, what are the impacts sort of globally, particularly on emerging markets? Well, I guess um, some of our listeners might have a, an advanced economy perspective with regards to the China impact um, for emerging economies, uh, which of course is a very large and diverse group. I'd broadly say it's a more positive impact, I would say, from, from China's rise, um, and for two reasons in particular. Um, a lot of emerging economies export uh, raw uh, resources, 
And China's rise essentially led to a, a massive and sustained increase in the price of all sorts of commodities prices. Uh, so if you are a country that um, has oil or metals, uh, you are able basically to continue to supply that to China at a far higher price, uh, leading to some transfer of income uh, towards those countries. Um, and so in places like Brazil, you saw uh, many years of very high um, economic growth, which really lifted um, the incomes of the Brazilian people uh, for a number of years. Uh, the second group, which also uh, benefited probably a lot from China's rise, would be in particular those emerging economies that are anchored around China. Uh, and so as, as, as China became the world's dominant uh, exporter, particularly of manufactured goods, it still needed to import lots of different inputs, either because uh, they didn't have the technology to produce that yet. Um, so, for example, Korea would be selling a lot of high-end technology into China, or just that uh, Thailand or the Philippines would have specialties, which kind of fed into what has become this Asian supply chain, uh, in which China is the anchor, and kind of all of the spillovers uh, to its neighbors have, have broadly been seen as, as rather positive. And we tend to focus on the impacts on manufacturing goods primarily because data is more widely available. So you've got things like the IMF direction of trade statistics, which are available on DataStream, which cover that for all countries across many years uh, and are available at quite a high frequency, so often monthly data. But there's also an impact on services, in particular tourism, which is very interesting, isn't there? That's true, Andrew. Uh, we wrote about this in a blog post. It's called Made in China, the World's Biggest Travel Spenders. Um, often when we talk about trade, economists overall tend to focus on goods. That's where there's the most complete set of data and uh, longest set of history, and it's easier to track. But with regards to China, China actually has had a very powerful impact on services trade. Um, and so China as a whole have... Chinese tourists is, won't come to come as a surprise to anybody who's who's basically been anywhere in the world recently. Chinese tourism can be felt all across the globe. Um, in terms of raw numbers, Chinese tourists used to spend around 15 billion a year in 2001. They currently spent, or as of 2017, they spent 270 billion. Uh, so that's more than the next three largest um, sources of tourism, which is the U.S., the U.K., and Germany. Um, and so these figures are, are astronomical. In that blog post, we kind of laid out a, a path whereby China would fall into current account deficit if its tourism spending continued. And um, China, since then, they're, they're basically heading towards that. Uh, just to put some of these numbers into context, in Korea, for example, uh, a couple of years ago, China's tourism was about $15 billion a year. And then that's 1% of South Korea's GDP. Uh, so a very, very powerful impact uh, in terms of services. Huge numbers. Um and going back to goods again, so so flow um, in developed markets, we've seen a massive impact as well. We've sort of seen this shift of manufacturing from the west to the east, and arguably that's behind what some people are calling the Walmart effect. Yeah, sure. There has been a massive effect on advanced economies as well because of China's vast amount of excess productive capacity, its government subsidies and low labor costs, it was able to provide cheap goods to the rest of the world. For example, the price of US imports from China is the same today as it was 14 years ago. During the same time period, the price of imports from advanced economies has risen by, by around 20%. So that's often called the, the Walmart effect. Um, another consequence would be the, the hauling out of the, of the manufacturing sector in advanced economies, such as the UK or Europe or the US. Manufacturing employment in, in these industries has been offshored to emerging economies, mainly China, where labor is a lot cheaper. 
Yeah, indeed. And the moderation of inflation is something that's been very noticeable in many advanced economies in recent years. And with that, we're brought to the end of our episode. This time, we've heard how the benefits of China's emergence have been unevenly distributed and that the government has done little to correct for this. But there's an international element to this story too, with some countries, especially commodity producers, enjoying prolonged economic booms off the back of increased Chinese demand. I'd like to thank Kevin and Flo for joining me. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Next time, we'll discuss in more detail both the Walmart effect and China's greater role in global trade. Until then, why not read the blog post that Kevin mentioned, Made in China, the world's biggest travel spenders, or the other note mentioned by Flo, China needs fiscal reform to rebalance. To read any of the material referenced in this episode or any other, go to the podcast section of our website, at fathom-consulting.com where you can find the show notes and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future content thank you for listening to fathom in conversation this podcast is brought to you by the team at fathom consulting presented by me andrew harris and both edited and produced by liara gabai fathom is an independent consultancy specializing in global macroeconomics geopolitics and financial market research Our economists also produce in-depth research on China, and we have built a suite of analytical indicators specifically to monitor the Chinese economy. To find out more about our research and bespoke consultancy work, go to fathom-consulting.com. If you're interested in the data side of things, check out Fathom's chartbook on Refinitiv's data stream and icon platform. This is our library of over 9,000 ready-made charts containing up-to-date global, macroeconomic and financial market data. Simply type CBook into your icon search bar to find out more. From all of us here at Fathom, thanks for listening to Fathom in Conversation.